Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Press Play Lifestyle Inspired Podcast, where we do interviews with interesting and inspiring people like our new friend, Hannah. For our listeners, that's you to find the resources, tools, and support they need to be their best inspired selves. Hi, Miss Hannah. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I was telling you pre-interview, I live in um, the Midwest. I live in Wisconsin. And I swear it's like 80 degrees out and it's only 10 o'clock in the morning and this is never happens. So I don't even have a coat on today. Wow. Yes. I've heard Wisconsin summer is like from like end of July to early September and then you're pretty much done. (laughs) Yeah. And that might be generous, but yeah, it's pretty much, that's it. But if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute. It'll change. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Nashville is exactly the same. You know, I used to live in, um, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Oh, how beautiful. It's beautiful there. Oh my gosh. It's crazy beautiful. Yes. Um, unless you're from the area, people don't really know where that is. But if you say Gatlinburg, you get a little closer because um, Dollywood and everything is by there. But we lived in the mountains in Pigeon Forge and it was, it was heavenly. I mean, the, and the, there's the North Carolina mountains are closest too. And there's a lot of like itty bitty waterfalls in the, in the mountain roads. It's, Definitely beautiful. Definitely beautiful. very beautiful. Yeah, East Tennessee is is just a gorgeous part of the country for sure. Yeah, I miss, I miss Tennessee a little bit, but they have weather there. People don't realize it, but they have actual weather. Yes, like, we do. Snow and everything. Yes, we get it all the seasons. <laughs> all the seasons. So Hannah, can you just why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners a little bit and just tell them a little bit about you? Yeah, I'm Hannah. Uh, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I grew up in Georgia. I was actually born in Texas. Uh, We did not live there very long. My dad um, was an astronaut trainer at NASA, so we were, it's the only reason we lived in Houston, and uh, moved to Georgia when I was really little, and that's really where I grew up, and um, started writing songs, and uh, started singing really, really young. My parents kind of recognized that in me at a very young age, and were great about nurturing it and putting me in voice lessons, you know, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, so we didn't have sort of the same access that people do now. There were not online platforms, right? Um, And then uh, when I was 18, I decided to move to Nashville, and I did my undergraduate degree here, Um, and, uh, and sort of it's been a crazy journey. I've been in and out of record deals, and I've had my my ups and downs and I moved to Los Angeles. Um, I decided to go to LA after I lost a record deal here in Nashville and I was just kind of ready for a change and I wanted a sort of new scenery and new inspiration. And so, you know, I picked up and I went and I lived there for over eight, almost nine years. I loved it. I didn't think I was going to love it as much as I did. Um, but it was very hard to leave, but it was definitely clear that I needed to be back here um, to sort of be in the middle of everything. So I've been back in Nashville a couple of years now and it's been, it's been great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds lovely. I have to say, um, maybe it's just me, but you add, I added all the years up there and you don't look like you could possibly fit into being that old. So, <laughs> uh, so music looks good on you. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> or the camera is rocking it. I don't know which, but we're going to we can get camera light angle whatever whatever gets us there (laughs) and I think that's really interesting uh, very amazing that you were talking about your father um because a lot of the people that I interview a lot of the artists their parents were artistic or artists themselves or they had older brothers that were crazy artistic and 
training astronauts doesn't like spur creativity to me. I mean, (laughs) maybe like, you know, make sure you have your helmet on and a joke about, you know, drawing smiley faces on it or something might be creative, but it doesn't really seem like you would like, that would be something they'd be used to. So is, is your mom more artistic or is your dad also? Actually, both my parents, you know, my dad has a beautiful singing voice and actually like uh, there's pictures of him in high school as Captain Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. And, um, you know, my grandmother, his mom was my first piano teacher. All my cousins play instruments. Um, My mom has a beautiful singing voice. I only just found out maybe like two years ago that my mom was in a band. And I said, why didn't you tell me? She's like, well, I just didn't want to like, I didn't want you to feel like I was like upstaging you. And I'm like, what? I was like, no, I want to see. So we found black and white pictures of her like singing in a, in, in a band. And so I, I do come from a really musical family and, and I'm, I say all the time and it's true. Like of all my cousins, I'm truly the least talented one. I mean, most of them play multiple instruments and, and they paint and they, I have one cousin literally paints, whittles, carves, pottery, writes, plays like five instruments, but she has no desire to perform. Like she wants it to just be all for her own, you know, like self-actualized. So um, I'm the one that really loved the performance element, but yeah, everybody's kind of secretly really talented. They're like closet musicians. Totally. Totally. Yes. Like, Absolutely. So I, I do can see that yeah. too. I mean, I could see that where um, I was a computer programming professional for like 20 years and I played accordion as a kid and we, I didn't exactly like tell people that first of all, I was already struggling on the cool scale a little bit, you know, um, accordion doesn't really help so much with that. But as an adult, I think that's really cool. Yeah, now people are like, Oh my God, that's so cool. I'm like, mm, could have used you like 40 years ago, but yeah. Then, you know, <laughs> But, um, but my mom, my mom, same thing though. I found out, gosh, maybe 10 years ago, she was apparently like extremely talented clarinet player, like very talented. And then, you know, something happened in her life that changed her trajectory. So I think, um, music is more a part of people's lives maybe than we, than we think about it. I agree. I agree. So, um, so I'm really curious, like what's your thought on, kind of what artists are now doing during the the virus, obviously. And unfortunately we have to you know, call out the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, but you're seeing like crazy talented artists out there. Like, I mean, big names that are just cranking out their guitar on their YouTube channel. Like, yeah. what do you think about that? You know, I think it's, I think one, I will say, I think uh, on the like sort of grim side of it. I think it's very sad because you've got a lot of it. The extension of an artist team is so vast and most people don't realize you've got so many moving parts and so many people responsible for so many parts of an artist touring career and that aren't, and they're not working right now and they're not able to get up on YouTube and perform and, and sort of keep their brand uh, relevant. And so just like sending a lot of love to all of the furloughed and fired tour managers, lighting people, uh, roadies, all those people that do not have work right now. Um, I think that part of it's really, really sad. I do, however, think that what we have for the first time maybe ever is an even playing field in the sense that every single artist is in exactly the same boat. We cannot tour. We cannot be in large crowds. Um, we were all now different states are, are reopening in different ways, but we were all 
very much sequestered to our homes um, and unable to get out. And I think it's really cool to see artists that could have been charging a $5 ticket to get on to an online format to watch them. Or I think it's really cool to see them just bust out a guitar on their porch and be like, all right, like we're all literally in the same position. I think Melissa Etheridge I read was giving guitar lessons for like 10 bucks. If you wanted to have a guitar lesson with her. Um, and I think that that has shown that at the end of the day, really what drives you is, is the music and the desire to perform and connect with people. And I, I think the even playing field is really interesting. And I think it's probably unprecedented and will never happen again, you know, yeah, where you've sort of true. got the haves and the have nots of the music industry. Yeah. I think that um, it's, it's, that's a beautiful thought. And, and thank you for bringing up the, the stage managers and all the people and the lighting guys, like that literally hasn't come up in like seven or eight music interviews I've done. So, um, so thank you guys for all the work you do and we can't yes. wait to be working again. Um, yes. but I think one thing that was, I think beautiful to me was like in this era where we're all about like math and science and we've taken art out of schools, we've taken music out of schools, we've taken God out of schools, we've taken, you know, the softer side, the soft skills people talk about out but when everybody got stuck in their house, like they all turned to music, they turned to art, they turned to those things that speak to, I don't know if they speak to your soul differently or they speak to, but, but they do show that they're important, right? Because they're essential to survival. I mean, it's silly, but there's no Netflix without artists, without people that grew up as the weird actor kid in your class. You know what I mean? That decided to go on and take that risk. You can't sit and pass the hours and hours and hours and hours of time that you've got to pass right now without people who put themselves out there and who went through programs in school that nurtured those things. And music especially, I mean, it accesses a different part of the brain. It, it elicits a different set of your emotional capacity. I, I don't know that this would be survivable for a lot of people without without those things and from the actors to the musicians to the instrumentalists to the people who are putting cool time-lapse videos up of them painting I mean stuff that just keeps you engaged you know and reminds you that at the end of the day that those things are should be nurtured and should be funded and should be so supported because yes you've got math and science kids and god bless them because those are the people that are going to get us through this but you've also got creative accordion playing clarinet playing kids and they need that same nurturing and that same safe space in their upbringing so that they can give that gift even if it's just to one person it, it's yeah it's those things that stay with you that's amazing i i remember um i do remember the first time i performed on stage and i i haven't since i was younger but i was like nine and we were playing polkas because it's an accordion and um, it was just a really surreal experience to just see people like moving, like you, you had so much power, like yeah. just by the way that you shared your voice or shared your instrument, people move their bodies to the sound of your voice. Yes. It was a very surreal experience. And to, I, I think it's a travesty to leave that kind of um, power for movement, right? Literally untapped or unnurtured is more the scary part to not be nurturing those things. I agree 
I totally agree. And I, I think that you do a disservice to people who are absolutely never going to be wired for math and science, no matter how hard you try to get them to be. That just is, they're going to, they're going to appear in the world like failures because they're being asked to perform in a platform that doesn't, is just not the way that their little minds and hearts are wired. Whereas you put an instrument in their hand and all of a sudden they're a genius or a prodigy or, you know, and I feel like we have to, we, that has to be as valuable as the other things. I, I, I think as Dr. Seuss said something like, um, if you, if you tell, if, try to get a fish to climb a tree, it will feel like a failure for all of its life. Yeah. Like it could actually die on the quest to climb the tree. Yes. But if you let the fish swim, he's like in his element and yes. it feels like a success. Yes. Um, so kind of that level of like innate piece of who you are is an artist. That's Great. awesome. So you have, you do have something coming out, hopefully right this summer. Yes. So what's going on with that? Yes. Yeah, so it's funny because we, um, we went into quarantine and I sort of was on a path of the song that I was going to release off of my current album. And I was just kind of trucking along on autopilot. You know, I had a really busy year ahead of me on the touring front. Um, I no longer do. And um, so, you know, I, I, I kind of had it mapped out. I was going to follow the course of the plan and go. And then all of this happened and it forced everybody to sit down and pump the brakes. And I'm not going to lie. I had a few really solid pity parties about that. And I really was feeling sorry for myself. And, you know, I think that, um, I think that conversation has to be allowed. Like it is okay if you're not the person who is like meditating every day and like redoing your pantry, like, I have never wanted to do anything less in my life this last two months than clean my pantry. Okay. It's like my head is not in that space and God bless all of you whose whole house is like labeled and color coded now. But I, I feel like there were many of us that had, especially the performers that got sort of stuck at home, um, had to really stop and assess like what we were doing. And in, and as I worked through the poor me, which of course also felt ridiculous because you've got people literally losing their lives to a virus and you're, there's almost a guilt in even feeling bad about your circumstance, but everybody's stuff is their stuff, right? I read one time, you can drown in six inches of water as much as you can drown in six feet of water. Everybody's stuff is valid for them, you know? Absolutely. Um, so in that time where I was forced to be still and quiet and stay home, um, which I'm never those three things at the same time, I had uh, started to think about what I wanted to put out next. And I had written a song right before we went in to quarantine with a, a writer here in town. And, um, and it's funny because when I first wrote it, it didn't feel like something I would ever sing. It felt very, I'm more on the kind of edgy rock country sound. And this felt very like happy and pop country and very um, youthful. And, and then um, I played it for my producer, just the work tape. And he was like, this is a great song. I think you need to cut this song. I, I think that it's really important that you create right now and, and put something out that is different. I think people want something happy and up. And, um, and so we, so I just took a hard left and we just went in and started to record it. And, um, you know, and I'll say this because I haven't actually publicly said it yet, but in this time, 
that I was feeling so down on myself and, and honestly starting to think about what am I going to do if this year doesn't recover? I don't know that I'll recover from that as an artist. I don't know if I can sustain what I need to do if this year kind of takes me down the way it will take down a lot of people in their profession. Um, and all that while there was an independent label in the background watching me and scouting me and, and eventually reached out and, um, I sent them this, so we started a dialogue and I sent them this song and they loved it. And so now this song is going to take on a whole new support system and a whole new life. And so all that to say, I feel like allow the, the pity party, allow it, feel it. I think acknowledge it. Um, pretending like those feelings are not there is not healthy either. But I think that we have to just keep being, it was such a reminder to me that in the time that I was feeling so sorry for myself, there was a plan being woven behind the scenes that I would have, I could have never anticipated. And that can only be done on a universal God picture for you, you know, and whatever that looks like, it's different for everybody. But um, the stillness forced a direction change that ended up being what I hope is going to be a really a really well-received song and it's very fun and happy and different and everybody I play it for is like oh, it's stuck in my head and I'm like yes that's what we want we want it just living taking up real estate up there you're like so, an earworm like here you go yes yeah so I'm really excited for that one to come out that sounds that's beautiful and I appreciate you being you know first of all being um, someone who is a performer and other people see you and follow you and you're an influencer of a sort to just acknowledge the fact that like this, this showed up differently for everyone. Some people are sad and sad isn't, there's, there's nothing bad or good about an emotion. It just is like, we couldn't go stop being sad. No. Right. You're sad. Like you're, you're sad. you love people. You have energy by people and you're stuck all by yourself in your house alone. Like, yeah. of course that's going to have an effect. And however you make it through this is, is your, is no less important than yeah. how someone else makes it through. So I totally um, agree. I totally agree. a life coach coming too, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we all went into it in different mental states as well. I mean, there are some people who we have to acknowledge that this kind of isolation is much more difficult on than other people, you know, and, and what that, and especially if they're alone and they don't have somebody that they're quarantined with, or, you know, I just think that they're, this to me, I hope has deepened people's level of compassion for where everybody is. And, you know, some people are celebrities telling you to stay home from their infinity pool and their, you know, home gym. And some people are living in a one bedroom apartment alone, in the middle of the city with no family. I was reading the other day about like foreign exchange students that are stuck on college campus that have no money, no school, no job, no family. I mean, like everybody's walking through this in a really different way. Ways. I just think we need to be really kind. And, and when we do come out of this, um, really patient with the long-term effects it's going to have on some people. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. that's fair. So, so it's very exciting that you have like a new independent label that sort of saw you in this time that you needed to be seen perhaps. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, what are you trying to think of next? I mean, are all of the artists kind of expecting not to perform for a long time? Are you guys looking toward technology to do something different? I mean, what, what's coming up in the artist community for ways to still move forward? And, you know, eat because you know, tickets can't be 
purchased if you don't go to a thing. Right. Um, what is that looking like or for you or for other artists? I mean, it doesn't have to be personal, but what are you seeing or hearing out there from your peers? Yeah. I mean, I think that I, I am sort of resigned to the fact that 2020 is, is, is lost for live shows. Um, there are things canceling now. When we first kind of went into this, I was, we had a, we have a huge run at the end of August remains to be seen what's going to happen with that in, to, in totality. But, um, I kind of thought for sure by then we were going to be okay. I don't think so now. I think that you're watching things cancel now in the fall. You're seeing big festivals, which I understand saying we're not coming back this year, CMA fest canceling. Um, so I don't personally think that 2020 is going to see a lot of live shows. And now you've got Kenny Chesney and Taylor Swift and all these people permanently locking down 2020 and saying it's just not worth the potential risk. And um, I hope that will not be the case. I hope that, you know, by the fall we'll be like, oh gosh, we got through that. But I think we have to prepare ourselves that that is not going to be the way that it goes. So I'm sort of hopeful for 2021 touring season. I think that people are going to be so ready for live music and so ready to be back out. And I hope that we are in a place where we can do that in a healthy and conscious way. Um, so yes, we're all kind of relegated to how do we connect now um, through an online platform? How do we diversify how people find us? How do we diversify our brand and what we stand for and what we get behind? Um, because in the reality of the situation is that we don't make money off of the sale of our music or the spins of our music. It's just not where the bulk of your income is coming from. It's coming from touring, merch, that, you know, endorsements if you've got them. So having to really stop and assess, which can be really exciting, how you get creative in a time where you're relegated to this screen right here and what that looks like. I will tell you, it's hard. The live like takeovers and Facebook takeovers. I mean, you finish a song and there's zero feet. There's nothing to feed back on. There's no energy. There's no, there's nothing. You know, you can't even hear people's voices. And so, um, it's very awkward and very strange. And the best you can do is kind of read live comments coming in and try to interact, but they're, you're usually trying not to do that because you're singing and the, it's very a strange kind of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm going to start singing what people are typing. Um, so I think people are, I think people are holding out for this to be over. If I'm being honest, I don't think anybody is super comfy here right now, but I do think that it is making people reassess how to diversify their income stream. Like all entrepreneurial people have to do musicians, whether they like it or not, are self-employed CEOs of their own business. And you have to stop and assess what happens if you can't tour. And I think that the industry as a whole needs to, and has needed to seriously address the income stream and revenue from people's music. Yeah, Cause I was wondering, so one of the things, look, I'm an independent person, I'm not a musician, but, um, and so there's a lot of the, even the support systems that have been put out there are not something that you're eligible for because right. it's because you're an independent, right? You don't have, you're not a small business. You are not, we are employing people, but it's contract, right? It's not the same thing. And so um, people like writers and, you know, musicians, there's not that backstop as there are for so many other, other types of jobs. Yeah. And um, so I think that's a big 
And that's fine if you're like Kenny Chesney or maybe, you know, or Melissa Esridge or someone like that. It, it's, well, maybe not great, but it's, they're, they've made They'll it be fine. Way, right? Yeah. <laughs> they've made their fine. way. But then yeah. you have, you know, you have independents that either newer their career or maybe they're more indie or they have, they're up and coming, but they don't have endorsements yet. They're making, they're just touring and that's the beginning. Um, they still have to eat, right? A lot of them still have jobs, but then they're going on tour. So they didn't, they've left the job because now they're going to be gone. How do you address that? So I can see um, that being, and maybe there'll be some kind of unionization or something within the, the industry or some kind of organizations that come together. I know there's some in the writing community where they can get insurance through a collective, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's the, it's again, the middle guy that's, that gets sort of overlooked because, you know. Yep. And most, I think we have to address that most musicians live in that space. The yeah. people whose name you know is about 1% of, if not less than 1% yeah. of musicians who work in music and make their living that way. Yeah. You know, not everybody is a multimillionaire, but people make a decent and good living off of touring and being musicians and they've got a solid fan base and you've never heard of them and they are up, you know, what Creek right now. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah. So yeah, I think that we've got to, I think this might be a very good thing in the long term for musicians and the value that we have to hold on ourselves too, because musicians have to take some responsibility for our lack of perceived value, doing shows for un under what you're worth, allowing venues to pay you pennies on the dollar of your worth because the local garage band will do it for that. And accepting, you know, that musicians can do things even for free because it's good exposure for you. This whole concept is degrading and it's, it's horrible for people who spend a lifetime at a craft that deserves to be, especially when we just talked about how valuable music is to people's day-to-day well-being. Musicians need to be compensated appropriately for that. And I have long been in that camp. I mean, that's not to say we haven't done shows for less than what we're worth because we do, but they better be worth it. You know what I mean? They better lead to 10 more. Mm -hmm. Otherwise we're at a place as a band where it's like, if you hit me with the exposure email, yeah. like yeah. it's a non-starter. It's yeah. a non-starter. Like, I always say, I say this like sarcastically, but I mean it for me, I was like, uh, I would say, mama got to eat, yo. Like <laughs> I got four kids, man. I got yes. You like, can't put exposure in the bank. Sorry. Exactly. That's yeah. The selfies that. are getting me paid, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, we've got to start. We guys are valuing people who are creators and artists and um and not not downplaying their work monetarily, but consume and then consuming it like it's worth like it's priceless. Exactly. There's a mismatch between, you know, consumption and valuation, right? Exactly. So exactly. So that's a great point. And um, one that I'm, how can the consumer, right? So me, I'm a regular Joe. How can I support an artist in a way that is good for the industry, right? Yeah. So do you like not go to free shows or do you like, is there oh, no, a no, absolutely right? No. So like, how do you help not like continue that? Because we're, we're the ones, right? We talk with our money, right? We vote with our dollars. Yes, we so do. how do we vote in a way that promotes the regular artist, right? The regular artist, that's, it's their job. They're not, you know, bazillion dollars with the affinity pools. 
How do yeah. I support them? Cause you know, I, I hear all the time, like, you know, Spotify is great, but you get paid like what? 14 cents or something. Not even fractions of a penny. Yeah. You get like nothing. And, but everyone's on Spotify, right? Everyone's yeah. on Apple music. Everyone's like when I was a kid, we had LPs, right? We go buy your tape. We go buy the disc. And then yes. the artists had, you know, there's a pass through that way. I don't even think you can do that. Like there's not really a way. So how do we support you? How do we make sure that you get to eat? Some of it is going to be out of your control because the industry standard is now streaming. That is where everybody is. Apple music, Spotify. Okay. So the next step you want to take at that point is first of all, if you do come to a show, buy, buy the artist t-shirt, buy merch, buy the merch. Like I cannot express enough that that is one of the biggest money makers at a show. We have made more on merch sometimes than we got paid to do the show. So like, if you like an artist, and okay, yes, it's probably a $20 t-shirt. It's probably more than what it costs to have it made. But that person is trying to sustain like a three-week run and hotels for five people. And you know what I mean? Like, and you're going to go spend it on a drink at the bar, like without even a second thought. So if you're at a show, buy the merch, do, do something, sign up for the email list. If you're listening to an artist on Spotify, follow them, give them an actual follow create a playlist of your favorite independent artists that nobody may well, have heard. That's something that I, so, so I'm a little bit older and I'm slow to the game, but, okay. um, so I, I was listening to the radio right now. There's not really, there's not, that is not even as much of a thing either. So is there a better way for us to listen to the music? So you said like create a playlist or follow the artist. I mean, is that, is that an important thing to do versus just kind of putting it on Pandora and just letting it rock through? The thing to know about Pandora and radio um, and in the major Spotify playlists that are like the Spotify playlisting, you're paying big money to be on those platforms. So unless you've got the big money behind you, you're not spending on Pandora. You're not, you're definitely not on radio. Um, so I would encourage people, it's like back in the day when we used to actually go to Amoeba Music or Barnes and Nobles and actually like sift and put headphones on. And yes, remember? Yeah. Great times. Great, a great Saturday afternoon was spent listening to people you've never heard of. Um, get get curious on Spotify. It'll pop up people that, hey, this person might be, might sound like this person. You know, follow those links, grab, grab or type in random names and see what pops up. I mean, I know people don't really we like to consume what's handed to us easily. But in this time that we've got a lot of time on our hands, do some exploring, you know? The other thing, it sounds really, really juvenile, but it's the world we're in. Follow the artists on social media. Follow their Instagram. Interact with them. Um, the algorithms will not actually even grab you without now comments on your Instagram. So like, and it has to be so many within the first hour, and then the algorithm gets stronger for you. So if you like somebody, don't passively support them, actively support them. And there's ways to do that that cost you nothing. You know, I have fans that'll literally just share one of my songs on their Instagram story. Well, they've got, maybe they've only got 500 people on their page, but that's 500 people that may have never heard of me before. And I'm so grateful for that. So following your, your artists you love, interacting with them. Don't just scroll, stop, love this song. Hey, would love to hear whatever. Um, if they're selling merch online, buy it, sign up on their email list. There's nothing that any of us can do to fight the progression of how we consume music. We cannot go backwards. It is going to be up to the industry as a whole 
to Library of Congress, to the federal government to decide <laughs> how these things are paid out. However, um, you know, there's so many other ways that you can show support and, and we're in a world now where even bookings are dependent on your likes. So if you like an artist, go give them a like, even if you only kind of like them, it doesn't hurt you one bit to give them a follow and scroll past them if they don't like give you some divine inspiration. <laughs> That's dumb. Well, that, that is really helpful to know though. Like, I mean, it's, it's different than just like whether you follow your, your aunt or your uncle or your friend, but like that's a, another way to maybe be supportive and help at some level with at least exposure, if not monetization. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that insight with us. I mean, obviously other people hear that and think, oh yeah, we should definitely follow Hannah and those that Hannah loves, right? People that are interesting. Do, yeah. do any artists, and I suppose I, we went long, I'm sorry, but uh, no, one other quick question would be, yeah. do artists like create playlists of other artists that they like and share those? Cause that yes. was, yeah. So I think that would be cool. Like there's a couple really great indie um, people I recently have interviewed with and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love, I really love that. It was this weird fusion of kind of a country rock. And then there was this um, country, like old school country with a little bit of pop it in, in there. And I'm like, oh, I really, this is super fun and different and edgy. They must have inspiration that was in there. I would, I'd love to see what they like, right? Um, and then maybe that's a way to kind of see new artists that aren't someone that you've really followed before. Exactly. And you know, and that you just brought up a great point. I mean, if you have a band, even if they're more mainstream and you love them, I mean, shoot a comment on one of their songs, you know, like what inspired you guys? Who do you listen to? Like engage your artists. We have answers to those questions. We did grow up listening to all kinds of people, probably most of which were well-known bands, especially when you're young. But, um, but I think that's a great way to start a conversation and to maybe spread out, you know, um, the love a little bit. Yeah. And I think what's really cool about that. And I think people are not thinking about was used to be like Michael Jackson, right? Completely inaccessible. They like, Reba McIntyre, like the Judds, like they're amazing, but I'm not meeting them somewhere. Right. We're not having a conversation, right. but social media in some ways can level the playing field where like we can, I'm having, I'm interviewing an artist, right? Like who would have thought that was happened for me two years ago? I can yeah. talk to you and you might even respond or someone on your staff might respond. Yeah. So you have a level of intimacy that you maybe didn't ever have the ability to have before. Um, but you certainly are going to have more of that access to someone who's a working artist versus someone who's an arrived artist. 100%. I mean, I, the working artists are definitely engaging and they're, I mean, I can speak for myself. I mean, there isn't somebody running my Instagram. If you comment and I respond, it's me. If you message me and I see it and I respond, it's, it's me. And I want that engagement. I want to know where we've met or what show you saw us in. You know, I want that, that interaction. So yeah, you're very likely to get response from artists that are sort of like on their way that are very happy to hear why you have mattered to them you know that's that keeps it going that's amazing well thank you so much hannah for all the time you spent with us today i've learned I'm not doing anything <laughs>
Fair enough. I'm still going to pretend like I'm super privileged and lucky. No, you are. No, it was so wonderful to talk to you. This was such a fun interview. I would have sat here with you all morning, no matter what. Uh, don't say that because I would have let you. Like, <laughs> like the highlights of my days, some days are like, I get to interview someone I've never met before and have this random conversation about whatever it is that comes up. And it, it just, that lights me up when I'm, you know, I'm stuck too. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. A beautiful place to be. So where can people like, what's your favorite place for people to find you so they can hear your music? Yeah. So, um, my favorite place for people to find me on an interactive level is probably Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Hannah Anders music. Um, a really good one-stop shop is the website, which is just hannahanders.com. And that's going to have links to Facebook, YouTube, social media, all social media, Twitter, all the things, all the things when in doubt, you can just Google Hannah Anders, a uh, Google recently verified me. So they decided I'm a real person in the oh eyes of, of Google. Yes. Thank you, Google, for that validation. So I think I can have a Wikipedia page now. Oh yeah. I, I think I literally, my business literally got validated. <coughs> I'm like, seriously, folks, I'm like in my mid forties. I'm real. I know. Isn't that I'm like crazy? I'm on the other end of real now, right? Like going more toward not being real for a while. <laughs> Very <laughs> weird. I'm like, okay. I know it's, it's a funny thing. So, but it helps, it helps the search optimization. So if you, if you forget any of that, you just Google the name and, and all those things pop up. And uh, like I said, I'm running all that social media as far as Instagram and Facebook. So I will respond. It will be me oh. every time. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to sharing all of your information with our audience. We'll make sure it's in the show notes so they can easily get to your website and to your Instagram. And just, I gave you props earlier, but for anyone else, like check out her Instagram. It's super cool. <laughs> you have like great photos on there. And like, they just like, you look like, Oh, I want to be in love. That looks so lovely. You know, yeah, so this is my, enga my engagement pictures this week. So you look lovely and you looked happy. So that's you, good. I am. So. Yeah. Thank you so um, much. Well, you have a great day, Hannah, and uh, we can't, I can't wait to hear about when the single comes out in the summer. So, yeah. you know, if you think about us and shoot us an email, let us know, and we'll be sure to tell our listeners to check you out wherever Hannah Andrews is found. Absolutely. I will do that. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was nice to meet you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.